are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. And ladies and gentlemen, the Wolves are 1-0 and on this extremely young season after a victory in Brooklyn over the Nets 127-126, to an overtime win in Kyrie Irving's debut in a Brooklyn Nets uniform on Wednesday evening. Um, feels good, doesn't it? What a game it was at the Barclays Center on Wednesday evening, an overtime thriller, and um, you know Kyrie scored 50 points, but Carl Anthony Towns had an all-NBA performance of his own in this one. Um, Kyrie did have 50 points. He took... Um, what, 33 shots to get there, made 17 of them, so had a decent shooting night, 7 of 14 from beyond the arc, had 8 rebounds, 7 assists, um, but failed to convert at the end when Josh Okogie locked him down. Um, Kyrie slipped as he tried to attempt a spin move and um, no doubt had images of James Harden getting his um, attempt at beating the shot clock stuffed by Josh Okogie on a three-point attempt last spring on a nationally televised game that was played over and over and over ad nauseum. Um, and uh, I like to think that Kyrie Irving saw that happening to him, and he uh, got a little spooked and slipped to the floor, picked the ball up, and, and um, kind of heaved it at the rim there as the buzzer went off, and uh, it clanged off harmlessly. The Wolves won, and Josh Okogie, um, I guess the legend of Josh Okogie, continues to grow. Uh, but Towns, in his own right, he had 36 points, 14 rebounds, three assists, three steals, three blocks, and only three turnovers in 39 minutes. Um, so we'll talk a lot more about his game here in a moment. He did make a career-high seven threes, which I know he didn't shoot very many threes as a rookie or in his second year, and his attempts and makes per game have been going up steadily each year. But it surprised me that he'd never been more than six in a game. Um, think back to his... What was it, a 52 or 54-point game against the Atlanta Hawks a couple seasons ago um, as they were making their playoff push in the Jimmy Butler year. Um, but he's never made more than six threes in a game. So 7 of 11 in this game on long-range attempts for Towns, an awesome night for him, a good night all the way around for the Timberwolves. Um, so we'll definitely dig into that here today. The new-look Wolves um, looked like a new team on both ends of the floor. Um, outside of that sloppy stretch in the third quarter that let the Nets actually come back and take a lead that, that grew to eight points early in the fourth. Um, and then there were a few, uh, I guess you could say questionable at best, Andrew Wiggins-led possessions late in the game in, in the fourth quarter in overtime. Outside of those kind of two things, this was basically nothing like watching Tom Thibodeau's Wolves over the past three seasons. Um, this was uh, This was something different, and it was a lot of fun. Um, the game had it all. We're going to dive into a couple specific points about the game, um, the rotations especially. I want to focus on that because that was kind of the thing that everyone was curious to see how that would work once we got into the season. So we're going to talk rotations here in a moment as well as uh, some of the specific uh, things I noticed about the Wolves offense in this game. But first, just some quick hitting points from from the game, some high points um, to kick us off. I think the number one thing that, you know, right off the bat that, that everyone should have noticed is that Carl Anthony Towns' defense was awesome, um, especially early in the game. In the first quarter, he ended up only being credited with three blocks. He had one on what was basically a game-saving block at the end of regulation on the uh, the missed free throw when uh, uh, Torian Prince came in, beat Noah Vonley to the rebound. Towns blocked the shot from behind. It would have been a game-winner. Um, pretty much at the buzzer there, if Prince had had gotten that had uh, gotten the shot up on the glass before Towns blocked it, um, 
Towns was only credited with three blocks, but it certainly felt like he had five or six and, and a couple there in the first quarter. Um, he was everywhere and uh, was walling up, was avoiding fouling. I think his first foul was a little bit questionable. I think DeAndre Jordan may have traveled before the foul. And then his last, his fifth foul was a pretty clear one. There was maybe one other call in there that was a little bit iffy. Um, but Towns mostly avoided those cheap 50-50 calls that he seems to walk himself into. He was, I think he led the league in, in fouls uh, per game last year. Um He's done an outstanding job, or in this game, he did an outstanding job of limiting his exposure there um, and being able to stay on the floor and not picking up his fifth foul until, I think, more than halfway through the overtime period. Um, so really good defense from Towns, um, game-changing defense, and held down the paint. DeAndre Jordan didn't play that much in this game, and Jared Allen wasn't all that effective. Um, DeAndre Jordan didn't start, and he only had 17 minutes in this one. Um, Jared Allen had 36 minutes, but only had six points on three of six shooting, nine rebounds. He did have five blocks, but um, he uh, really struggled to stick with Towns on the perimeter. When Towns was outside the arc, Allen was not comfortable following him out there. And then inside the arc, um, Towns was able to to draw fouls when he finally ventured into the low block, uh, really in the, the second part of, of the game. Um, and we'll, we'll talk more about that here in a moment. Um, also, the way that Saunders is managing, that head coach Ryan Saunders is managing Towns' minutes will certainly be different this year. Um, we'll get more into the rotation, but the sub substitution pattern, especially related to Towns, was very different than what Wolves fans are used to seeing. Um, I also thought it was awesome. The Wolves were creative in getting back into the game in the third, or excuse me, early in the fourth quarter. They trailed 98 to 90. They used a two guard, uh, two point guard lineup with Shavaz Napier and Jeff Teague on the court at the same time. They went on an 8 0 run. Um, they got back on top. I think they were ahead uh, 101-98 uh, before the Nets were able to to score again. Um, and uh, that was that was interesting that the Wolves did that for a stretch, and then they never went back to it. Um, and, and perhaps that's something they can do, to, again, depending on the opposing team and, and matchups, obviously. But from time to time, just to throw throw the other team off and to, to do something different for a stretch, get some faster players on the court and really change up the look. Um also, uh, Towns, I, met, I alluded to this a moment ago, Towns dominated from outside the three-point line early. He did a lot of his damage from beyond the arc. Um, I think he had five of his seven made threes in the first half, and he had a couple big ones late in the game. Um, but he didn't even touch the ball. I think he had one post-touch in the first half of the game, um, by my count. Well, you know, One touch with his back to the basket. Didn't attempt a shot from the post until the second half. He had a couple of jump hooks that he he converted on. He had a couple of um, kickouts to open shooters. He had a couple of fouls drawn on the floor. Um, but Towns didn't really touch the ball in the post hardly at all until the later latter stages of the game. Um, ultimately, he only attempted eight free throws on the night and probably could have headed to the line a couple of additional times if the refs had been a little more willing to blow their whistles. Um, and then lastly, the Timberwolves from beyond the arc um, were getting shots up early and often. They made a ton of shots early in the game, but were cold in the second half from three. They did attempt 43 threes on the night, which was nine more than the Nets, but they only made 13 of them, which is just a hair over 30%, 30.2%. That's obviously not going to play. Um, you take out Towns. Towns was 7 of 11 from the field. So without Towns, the team was 6 of 32 from the field. Um, and, uh, you know, that's not going to cut it. You can't. You can't shoot 19% from the field, a hair below 19%. Um, you know, players other than Towns can't shoot 19% on a nightly basis. 
um, you know, Covington is three for six and you take that out. Um, and there, there wasn't a whole lot to write home about, um, from beyond the arc, although the wolves were launching from there and there's going to be, if they can win on a night where they shoot 43 threes and only make 30% of them, you know, there aren't going to be a lot of those nights. Um, and the nets are, are a good team. So definitely a, a solid win all the way around. Um, and as mentioned, our, our next thing here we're going to get into is, is rotations. Um, I want to focus on, on what Ryan Saunders did in this game from a rotation perspective um, and, and what was different about that um, on this night versus the games that Saunders had coached as interim head coach last season. Uh, but first, Indochino is the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. Start your style upgrade now with $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more at Indochino.com when entering Locked On at checkout. That's $30 off your purchase of $399 or more at Indochino.com when you enter the promo code Locked On at checkout. All right, now we're going to talk a little bit about the Timberwolves rotation in this game. Um, we spent a lot of the preseason and the end of the offseason discussing what the Wolves rotation and, and specifically what their starting lineup is going to look like and who the fifth starter would be. Travion Graham started, I think, three of the five preseason games with Jake Lehman starting the other two. And Graham got the start in this one against his former team. And um, he's probably the... the um, I don't know, I guess most well-rounded of the options that the Wolves have on the wing, and it made sense to give him the start in this one. He actually ended up playing heavier minutes than I would have expected. Graham was on the court for 35 minutes in this game. Um, He had 9.6 rebounds, 4 assists, and a steal. Shot just 4 of 13 from the floor and missed all 3 of his 3-point attempts, and they were all fairly open attempts, if I remember correctly. Um, So, you know, if you look at the box score, it looks like he had a miserable game, maybe the worst game of any Timberwolf. Um... But if if you watch the game, there were a couple of moments that were huge for him, hustle-type plays that I think he really had a reputation for making in Charlotte and Brooklyn and his previous stops in the league. Um, there was the biggest play that he made was in overtime. He had, I think they were back-to-back possessions with the Wolves um, and Nets very close um, in, in, the, uh, in the scoring column at the time. And Graham, um, I think the Wolves had a one-point lead. He grabbed an offensive rebound and kind of in one motion went up with a shot in the paint, was fouled. He made the shot, ended up making the free throw, and gave the Wolves a four-point lead. And then later in the overtime period, he had the ball down low uh, near the, the the low block on the right-hand side of the floor, and he kind of turned and threw a hard bounce pass to Robert Covington, who had made a beautiful cut um, into the paint. Covington made the layup, and the Wolves built on that lead in overtime. Those two possessions were enough to, uh, to, to, I think drag Trevion Graham's grade for the game from a C to something like a B, um, because of the, uh, the magnitude in, in the moment. He also had a kind of a boneheaded mistake at the end of regulation after the wolves got the rebound following town's block of, um, of the nets, um, Torian Prince, goodness, forgot his name, of Prince after when he had the chance to win the game with a putback. Graham grabbed the rebound and then took a dribble up the floor before the Wolves could call timeout, which meant they couldn't advance the ball to half court, and that meant they had to call essentially a three-quarters court play to try and get a good shot off, which failed. It wasn't a bad play call with Towns screening off Wiggins' man and Wiggins getting a decent look at the rim um, from just inside the arc at the buzzer of regulation. Um, if the Wolves had lost in overtime, that that would have been a play that got more attention. But overall, interesting that Graham got the start. The substitution pattern with Towns was really interesting. He was the first player to, to 
the first starter to head to the bench for the Wolves um, at right around the six-minute mark in the first quarter with Noah Vonley coming in at center. Vonley played 14 minutes in this game, and he exclusively played um, as the backup five. Jordan Bell didn't see the floor. He officially got a did-not-play-coach's decision, a, a DNPCD. We know that Bell struggled with a calf strain in the preseason, played a little bit towards the end of preseason, but um, admitted in the media that he wasn't close to to 100% yet. Um, so it's interesting that he didn't play in this game, and, and I don't know if it was simply just giving him some additional rest or if it was a matchup thing or if he's going to start the year not in the rotation. This would actually seem to be a matchup that would make sense to get Bell on the floor with both Allen and Jordan. Um, not necessarily traditional big men, but, but you know, centers you know uh i guess in today's day and age they are traditional big men traditional centers um bigger lineups that the nets were running out there so it was a little bit surprising to me that bell didn't see the floor um but finally only saw the floor when towns was off of it and towns sat for a stretch in the middle of the first quarter and a stretch in the middle of the second um and the wolves were were fairly careful with his minutes he ended up only playing 39 minutes in an overtime game um so that's 39 of a of a potential um, 53 minutes. Um, something tells me if Tom Thibodeau was a coach, he would have played something more like 45 or 46 minutes. And over the course of the season, those extra four or five minutes per game certainly adds up. Um, but interesting that, that the theory, or at least early in the season, the plan is to get Towns rests in the middle of quarters and then um, obviously take advantage of quarter breaks and TV timeouts and all that. Um, but it seems like shorter bursts for Towns could allow him to exert max energy versus longer stretches with longer breaks in between. So that'll be something to keep an eye on and, and see if that continues. I already mentioned the uh, the Teague and Napier point guard duo early in the fourth quarter. Another thing to keep an eye on if that's something that happens more frequently or not. Tom Thibodeau did that a couple times with Tyus Jones and Jeff Teague with mixed results, and it always felt like something he should try more and never really went back to it. Um, it almost made me think it was an accident. He didn't realize he had two point guards on the floor for a moment. Um, so we'll see if that's something that continues, but an interesting wrinkle that certainly won't work for long periods of time. They're by far the two smallest guys on the team. Everybody else is extremely switchable, can guard two or three positions at least, um, and for the most part, really athletic as well. Um, Napier and Teague are kind of, uh, they don't, fit with that and so to have two of those guys on the floor um with such a small lineup is uh is interesting and uh and you know again something to keep an eye on moving forward one other uh well i suppose i, I should mention jake layman led the team with bench minutes with 23 shabazz napier had 21 minutes off the bench um layman was really good early he hit two threes and uh had another another bucket early um got fouled when he tried to catch a, a lob from shabazz napier um went up and grabbed it and then got fouled when he landed he had 10 points on four of seven shooting two of four from three-point range he had a three-pointer rattle out in a big moment in the fourth quarter um and saw a few minutes there down the stretch as well overall had a solid game grabbed a couple rebounds and had a block and an assist too um Josh Okogie only played 14 minutes, but he was somehow a plus 22 in those 14 minutes. Um, I'm not a big single game plus minus fan. I think there's a lot, there's too much noise and just raw plus minus in the box score for one game. Um, but when it's that extreme, it tells you that there's something to it. And so for Okogie to be a plus 22, um, for Andrew Wiggins to be a minus 26 in 36 minutes, it tells you something. Um, and, and Akogi still has some work to do to become a consistently positive contributor, but his defense at the end of the game, and then he also had a stretch late in the game. I think it was early in the fourth quarter. He knocked down a three-pointer 
um, a catch and shoot three pointer came down on the other end, intercepted a lob pass, um, and, and just had just a huge stretch, which fit perfectly with his, his, uh, call me nonstop Twitter handle and Instagram handle. Um, and if that sort of play continues, it's going to be hard for the Wolves to give him just 14 minutes a game. Um, it'll also be hard for them to give Wiggins less than 36 minutes a game, but, um, that's, uh, neither here nor there. Um, and we'll talk more about Wiggins here. I, I think um, the end of the game for Wiggins was extremely um, confusing. So we'll get into that here in just in just a moment. Um, that'll be kind of our, our wrap-up segment here as we as we conclude the episode. We'll talk through the Wolves offense. We'll talk through how Towns was used, how Andrew Wiggins was used as well, um, and, and what Ryan Saunders' offense, um, what it might look like here moving forward as we head to, to game two. All right, our last segment for the day, we're going to talk Wolves offense. Um, I think early in the game, Carl Anthony Towns, the, the Wolves were working to get him touches on the perimeter. He had a couple of opportunities to handle the ball on the perimeter, and then those kind of went away as the game went on. And I'd have to go back and rewatch portions to see if it was really a concerted effort by the Wolves to, to start the game outside and then work inside or whether it had to do with um, the way that the the Nets were playing defense. I know DeAndre Jordan didn't see the floor as much in the second half of the game, and so perhaps the Wolves decided to take advantage of, of getting Towns down in the post. But early on, he, he had a couple of straight line drives to the rim um, where he was fouled or or appeared to have been fouled, but no foul was called. Um, he had a couple of open threes very early in the game. He had one play where um, he popped out behind a Shabazz Napier screen. Um, it was kind of a, a, a V cut where Towns faked as though he was going to kind of run through the lane and then popped out um, as Napier set a really good screen and Towns barely touched the ball. He, it was almost like a, like a touch pass, um, but it was a touch shot. He, he caught the ball, barely set his feet, flicked it up at the rim and uh, drained a three. So there were a couple of plays like that, which were creative, which were certainly creative. Um, and then there were also some, uh, some sets where Towns was setting multiple screens and then was still the number one option for the play where he'd set a screen reset and then he would pop outside the arc and be open for a pass. Um, so really entertaining to see how Saunders is, is getting the ball to Towns in different areas of the floor. Um, it was good to see that, that they focused on getting him perimeter touches early, but didn't completely forget about how good he is in the post. Um, the problem with Towns in the post isn't that he was getting post touches. Um, by and large, post touches are not as efficient of a shot. I think that's pretty well known at this point. However, if you have one of the best post players in the game and he's getting single covered by a smaller player, that is a good touch. That is, or that is a good offensive opportunity in the low block. And so the Wolves had a few of those chances with Towns, um, and he, for the most part, you know, did well with them. He had a couple of kickouts to open shooters, um, and he was fouled a couple of times. So if the Wolves can kind of sprinkle those in, and instead of posting them up 80% of the time or something crazy, like I, I feel like it probably was that with Tibbs as coach, it's, you know, perhaps it's flipping those those frequencies where he's getting the ball in the perimeter the large majority of the time, but you're sprinkling in a few post touches to keep the defense honest and to hopefully get some of the other def- some of the opposing team's defenders into foul trouble. Um, the last offensive note uh, that I wanted to touch on was Andrew Wiggins, who was relatively quiet for the first part of the game, didn't get back on the court um, during the fourth quarter run until after the Wolves were back in the lead, and the Wolves then abandoned the two-point guard um, look and brought Wiggins into the game. And almost immediately, he started shooting long twos, and there was a turnaround jumper in there and a couple off the dribble with his foot on the line or his heels on the line just inside the three-point line. And it was just 
horrible flashbacks. Um, the one I should have written down the time, but it was like with roughly a minute left in the game. I think it was a tie game and Wiggins just jacked up a terrible shot. Um, and Jim Peterson, um, or it might've been Dave Benz. One of the guys on the Wolves broadcast the Fox sports North broadcast remarked at how Ryan Saunders clearly wasn't happy with that shot. Uh, but then on the other end, I think it was right after that town stopped Kyrie Irving twice in a row, um, once on a switch. And then he got stuck in isolation on him and forced a missed three point attempt from Irving. Um, but the, those Wiggins shots were just, they, they just didn't fit anything else this team was doing. Um, and it just felt like Wiggins was reverting to his old self. And that's the sort of thing we have to keep an eye on. If he's shooting five to seven of those shots a game still, it's, I guess, first of all, it's less than what he used to shoot in terms of bad long-range twos. Um, but if that number continues to reduce, perhaps you know somebody's getting through to him and he's understanding how he needs to find his shots in the flow of the offense now. But at the same time, he countered those roughly you know four or five terrible shots in the fourth quarter in overtime with some downhill drives that were impossible to stop. Um, he had at least four finger rolls at the rim, and I wish he would turn a couple of them over and, and dunk over Jared Allen um, you know, a couple of times. But he converted all of them. I'm not sure he had any missed layups in this game, which was a little bit unusual. Um, and, and it remains true that if Wiggins truly drives downhill, goes straight at the rim, it's it. I'm not sure that we've seen anybody really stop him if he does that. Um, and he had a couple of huge buckets down the stretch. And um, it, it was just a weird Jekyll and Hyde, like it's the old Wiggins and then suddenly it's aggressive Wiggins. Like a few years ago when him and Rudy Gobert went at it at the rim several times in a row, it was suddenly that Wiggins again. But we were seeing them back and forth in the same game. Um, and if we could just eradicate those terrible long twos and focus on the straight line drives to the rim, Wiggins could be a legitimately valuable player. And his 21 points and eight rebounds in this game aren't bad, but those long twos that just, you know, it just, at some point it, they just have to completely stop. And, um, you know, there were a couple of, of, Jeff Teague, Napier, um, Towns even shot a couple of mid range twos, but they were open shots. And those guys have better shot, um, you know, better, a better chance of making those shots. Their mid range shooting percentages are higher for their careers than Andrew Wiggins. Um, a wide open mid range shot isn't a terrible shot if it's shot by somebody who can make it. Um, but Wiggins shooting a contested mid range two in that sort of a situation is not a positive thing. Um, at the end of the day though, his straight line drives were a big part of the wolves winning, um, down the stretch as, as they turned to him on offense, he even brought the ball up the court a couple of times in, in crunch time, which is not something that I think the wolves want to happen frequently, but if he can prove that his decision-making is improved and he's, he's more than willing to get into the paint, draw contact and shoot the ball in the paint instead of launching those long jumpers, then, you know, I guess he's earned a little bit more opportunity to, to do just that. Um, but that'll certainly be something again, to keep an eye on. Um, we're one game into this thing and there's so many more trends to, uh, to analyze, um, here moving forward as, as the sample size is, as small as it's going to get, I guess, is one way to look at it. All right, that's all we have today. The Wolves are next in action on Friday night against the Charlotte Hornets. It's a 6 p.m. Central start um, on Fox Sports North. Um, the Charlotte Hornets did beat the Bulls in their opener on Wednesday night by a point. Um, I think the Hornets will be one of the worst two or three teams in the league this year. So the Wolves... Um, really should uh, be able to move to 2-0 if they if they play like they did against the Nets on Wednesday and don't have any sort of a letdown in game two of the season, 
then they should have a real shot to uh, to beat the Hornets on Friday. It's a game they should be favored in, um, and we'll talk about that on, on Friday's show, uh, previewing the game. We'll go over the line and the matchups and get a little bit more in-depth on that um, before the Wolves then head home for their home opener on Sunday. Um, so that's all we have for you today here at Locked on Wolves. Um, thanks for listening once again to Locked on Wolves, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Remember, Locked on Network is your local experts on the biggest stories. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Lockdown Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.